Amen. Today we will be reading from John chapter 8, verses 30 through 38. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Verse 33, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is, that you, how is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So the son sets you free, you will be free Indeed, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. This is a subject that is very important and an urgent message, again, that we all need to hear and take very seriously. There are people here, and many people you know, who claim and tell and profess that they are Christians. And a poll found in America alone, 63% of people, which is 332 million people, would say that they are Christians. But if you look around, are every church filled? You would think with 63% of the population, 332 million, the churches would be filled. So these numbers, how many do you think are genuine disciples of Jesus? The question we have in front of us today is this. Who is a real disciple? But my question to you sitting here today, and it's something you have to and you must answer, are you a real disciple or are you a false disciple? We have to be able to answer this question. Every single one of us has to be able to answer this important question. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it says, examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. So who are true disciples? First of all, let's see what a disciple is. A disciple is a true learner, a true follower of Christ, someone who is real, genuine, and authentic. We also have to remember the term Christian hasn't come in yet. So a person who believes in Jesus is a disciple, a true follower of Christ here. Again, this passage is crucial for us to study. We have to be able to recognize the false counterfeit disciples, and the true and genuine disciples. We open up with verse 30 where we see, so last week, and we, like he talked about all the things Jesus claimed, and he was claiming to be the light of the world, which he is. The disciples believed in him. That's an important phrase I want you to see, believe in him. Write that down, believe in him. Then we look at verse 31, the first part of verse 31. We see Jesus was talking to the Jews who believed him. 
So we have believed in him and believed him. Those who believed him are false counterfeit disciples. We're going to look at what a false disciple is. Again, the people in these crowds who were Jews believed him. They seemed legit at first. They seemed like they believed what he was uh, going to do was going to reveal that they were of true faith. But as we go forward, we're going to reveal they had no faith and nothing was genuine to them. We see in many spots in the Bible where many believed him. John 2.23 says, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. John 7.31 says, yet many of the people believe in him. John 7.32, it was just mere murmuring. These people in the crowd were just mere murmuring. They saw the signs and the wonders. They believed. But guess what? Nothing came of it. They just believed. Their belief was premature. Stephen Lawson, one of my favorite pastors, puts it this way. They didn't know that they didn't know. They didn't know that they didn't know. They were spiritually deceived. They thought they had, they thought they were good. It was like this. They believed Jesus, but not in Jesus. They believed Jesus, but not in Jesus. They have just enough religion, just enough knowledge of the truth to prevent them from receiving salvation. They had just enough for them to not receive true salvation. They didn't receive God's grace. They believed that much of their religious uh, society, their traditions. They believed Jesus, but not in Jesus. Steve also goes on to say, they are believing unbelievers. That fits our society. There are a lot of people who are believing unbelievers. They believe, but they are unbelievers. The crowd he was speaking to was full of these people. They were full of religious people who, again, think that they believe, and in all reality, they do not. This next quote, I want you to write this down, underline it, highlight it, put it in your notebooks. The hardest person to reach is someone who believes they are saved, but they are not. That is the hardest person to reach. Because they think they're good. They think that they don't need you to tell them anything. They don't want you to reach them because they think they got it. That's truth. That's facts. They're the hardest people to reach. These same people who claim to be disciples of Jesus, to have genuine faith in Jesus, in verse 34, they are slaves to sin. Verse 37, they are indifferent to Jesus. Verse 44, they are children of the devil. Then here comes the waffle. Verse 55, these same people who say they believe in Jesus, they have faith in Jesus, attempted and they wanted to murder the one who they say they believed in. That's not genuine. Today is the same way. They'll say, I believe in Jesus. Guess what? The demons believe in Jesus and they know more than you. They know more of the word of God than you do. 
You cannot just believe. People who say they believe, and that's it, they're slaves to their sin. Their flesh rules over them. Their sinful nature that we all have is in control of them. They say they believe, but they are indifferent to Jesus. That's happening today. I used to be that person. Again, nothing has changed. The same back then is the same today. So why are these people counterfeit and false disciples? These Jews listened to, they accepted the truth of his words, what he was teaching. They Again, they believed what was coming out of his mouth. But the difference is they were not committed to him. They were not committed towards him. They heard what he was saying. They believed it, but they didn't commit to it. John 6, 66 says, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Remember, he started with thousands upon thousands of people following him, and then they all walked away. They were caught up in what Jesus was doing, his miracles. They wanted to be part of something. They wanted to be part of a movement. That's what people want today. They want to be a part of something. John 6, 72-71 says, And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, is going to betray him. Judas is a key example and a perfect example of what these false disciples look like and act. He was very religious. Guys, he was one of the twelve closest people to Jesus. He believed what he was saying. He believed what he was teaching. He served right along with Jesus. But yet he was not a true disciple. He did not, he was not a true believer. John 15, 6 says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Again, I told you, whoa, there goes the lights. I told you this is a message that is a tough message to hear. The consequences of this is dire. What I just read to you is going to happen. We have to understand the differences between false and true disciples to get the rest of the section. Another thing is we have to realize that churches all across the world are filled every Sunday with people just like this. Everywhere you go, America, all around the world, churches are filled with people just like this. They believe what the they believe in the Bible, they believe what it says but they don't use it and aren't fully committed to it. They believe Jesus, but they don't believe in him completely. They're just like the Jews in our passage today. They are Bible-believing. They're church-going. They're morally good. They believe everything Jesus says, but they don't fully commit to him. This is the kicker. The difference and just believing and truly committing to Jesus is this. 
It is a difference between heaven and hell. That's the difference. That's why I told you we all have to answer this question. Especially here in America, we make a profession of faith. We walk the aisle, we say a prayer, and we say we're good. We're safe. And that's it. I got fire insurance. I'm good. I, come, I made a prayer. I committed a profession of faith to God. I'm good. And that's it. I don't have to do anything else. But that's not the case. You can't simply just believe. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There's your proof that this is going to happen. We can't simply just believe, and that's it. So how do we know? How do we know who's genuine or false? We all live upon, live with one another in our society, all together, the, those who are true and false. Um, and I would be willing to say every one of us in here has at least said one of these things one time. Is this person saved? Is that person saved? Is he or she a Christian? What about so-and-so? They barely come to church. Are they real? Or are they genuine? Or are they false? Have we said that before? We see from the parable of the wheat and tares growing together. How can we tell? See, these people in our passage, they are just like people today. They're seeking after the same things. They want fulfillment. They want hope. They want answers. They want more out of life. They're afraid of dying. They want heaven. People think it's very easy to start to believe in Jesus, to start believing. But then the world comes crashing in on you. Your flesh, we talk about your sinful nature, says, you don't want to do that. I've got stuff better to do than that. My ways are better than, than the Bible's ways. The world creeps coming in. Your flesh creeps creeping in. Then the devil comes seeking to, to distract you and destroy you. All these things pulling you away from Jesus. The half in, half out person loves their sins so much that they love it more than Jesus. They're committed more to their sin than they are Jesus. J.C. Ryle says, this is the most dangerous spiritual condition any person can ever be in, where you're halfway to Christ, inclined to Jesus, inclined to the truth about Jesus, wanting what Jesus provides and what he offers, but not willing to give in to the false demands that he let, lays on the center of repentance and faith in him and declaration of his lordship, turning from sin and towards righteousness. They don't want to turn away from it. It supposedly makes you happier. The most dangerous position you can be in is halfway in Jesus, which, again, there's no such thing as halfway in Jesus. 
We have looked at the false disciples, but what does a real disciple look like? A true disciple. What makes a true disciple? Look in your Bibles, verse 31 and verse 31. If you abide in my word, you truly are my disciples. Key words here are, depending on what translation you have, continuing, abiding, remaining, persevering. Let's first look at the word abide. The word abide means to hold on to the teaching of Jesus and never let them go. In order to be a true disciple, we have to fill ourselves up every day with the word of God. Keep filling and keep filling and keep filling so that way your, yourself, your flesh isn't taking over, but the word of God is in you and working in you. That has to be an everyday thing. We have to see every aspect of our lives is under what the Bible teaches us. Every aspect. But something else we have to realize is it is not an instant thing. You're not going to have the greatest faith instantly. It's not going to happen. In our society, it butts up against a society that says they want everything fast, instant. We want everything now. But genuine faith takes time. There are two key evidences of a true disciple. The first one is perseverance. Put it this way. We are going to have to go through some stuff as a Christian to build up our faith. Things are going to have to happen and are going to happen. You're going to test your faith. When the storms come, when the bad stuff happens, when the things you never thought would ever happen, happen, that is when you're going to tell if your faith is real or not. When you hear someone is sick or they're dying or this happens or that happens, that is what is going to test your faith. Because if everything happened the way you wanted it to, who are you relying on? Yourself. I made everything work. But when you're at your lowest of lows, you are fully relying on God. There has to be a commitment required to be a true disciple. We see the word if there. It doesn't say it might, but it says if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciple. This is a condition for true faith. You have to do this. The second key evidence is obedience. Obedience is another key evidence of a true disciple. A true disciple continues to learn, continues to embrace Jesus, continues in Jesus in every aspect of their life. The Great Commission says, go therefore make disciples. That's our goal here in Northwood is to make disciples, to have discipleship classes, to grow you, to continue in the Word of God. That's what we do here. In every age level, we are making disciples. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14, 21 says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them. He, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, manifest myself to him. John 14, 24 says, Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. 
Last one, John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. The marks of a true disciple. It's not just a profession. It's not just a past event. But it's when we continually, obediently serve and commit ourselves to God. We are not obedient because we have to. We are obedient because we love God. We love Jesus. We are obedient and continue in Jesus, and we will know the truth. Verse 32, we will know the truth. When you know the truth, guess what? You know God. It is a personal relationship between you and God. And it's more than head knowledge. It's more than that. You can know all the Bible all you want, but if you don't have a relationship with God, it's pointless. We have to have that personal relationship with God. And when you know this truth, which is the truth, not many truths, not any truth, but the truth, there's only one. There's not many, but one, the truth. This is a spiritual truth. This is the eternal truth. This is a salvation truth. Ephesians 4.21 says, Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. If you are looking for the truth in Jesus, you're looking in the wrong spots. If you're looking for truth in the world, you're not going to find it. If you're looking truth in yourself, you're not going to find it. If you're looking truth in your spouse, you're not going to find it. The truth is in Jesus. And guess what? Outside of the truth of Jesus, guess what? You will never be free. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. The Holy Spirit is the truth. John 16, 3. The word of God is the truth. Jesus is the truth. God is the truth. There's only one truth. And we jump to verse 33 and 34. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So this crowd, the people Jesus was talking to, they were lost. And the same today, before you knew the truth, before you knew God, you were not free. You were lost. You are a slave to sin. Think about this before you come to know the before you come to know Jesus. Think about how your life was. Me personally, I was a slave to sin. You are under bondage of sin. You feel like you can't do anything right. You keep doing the same things over and over again, and you wonder why it keeps happening. It's because you are a slave to sin. You are under the bondage of sin. It has control over you. It's like you're chained to it all the time, and you can't get out. Just like these disciples, they thought they were free. They thought they were good because they were of Abraham, because they were Jews. They thought they were good. We today think we are good because our parents are Christians, our grandparents are Christians, all of our family members are Christians. I go to church every time the doors are open. But again, they're slaves to sin. 
And when we are doing that, we are slaves of sin before we know the truth. They have no true freedom. They are slaves to their sin. They are under the bondage of it. They can't get out. And the only true freedom that you can get from spiritual blindness and spiritual bondage is the truth of the gospel. That is what gives you freedom, is the word of God. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So we aren't supposed to go back. You used to be slaves of sin, bondage of sins, but when you were in Christ, you were free. You don't have to go back to it. We like to beat ourselves up all the time about how bad we are. We're all sinners in here, but we are free. We're no longer under the bondage of sin. See, false disciples, they want what God has to offer without giving up what they want, without giving up their pleasures, their desires, what they think is right. They only give up what they want to. They want to put God in a box. They want, our society has certain people want God to fit in their box of who they think God is. There's multiple different versions of it. They think God is this. God is this. is going to fit what I want. But God doesn't work that way. There's only one truth. True disciples come to the word of God. They submit to it. They embrace it. They obey it. And they continue in his word. They continue in his word. And they abide in his commandments. So I ask you, what is the benefits of the true freedom in Christ? One, we are free from the bondage of sin. What a feeling to know you are free from the bondage of sin that has weighted you down and down and down as far as it could go, and you are free from that. You are released from that. Second thing is you are free from being a slave to sin. Sin was your master before you come to know the truth. And you are free from that master, free from the slavery of sin. No longer has a hold on you. The third thing, and I love this. This is, this is what we all should want. We are free to become an heir to all that God has to offer. It's far greater what God has to offer than what your flesh has to offer, what the world has to offer. It's far greater. If you know the truth, you know God. To know God means you have everlasting life. To know God means that you're escaping the bondage of slavery of sin. The highlight of this passage If Jesus makes you free, you really are free. You really are free. This isn't a false freedom that the world promises that you can have. This is real. You truly are free. You're free from sin's power over you that we've all experienced. True freedom rescues you from God's punishment that is going to come one day. 
One day, everyone is going to face punishment. Either you're in Christ and you'll be in heaven forever, eternally with Christ. If you deny it, if you don't abide in it, you are going to be eternally separated from Christ in hell forever. That's what's going to happen. But we are free from that if we are in Christ. We're free from God's condemnation that we all deserve. But by his grace, we don't get his condemnation. And again, we are free from the penalty of death. Close this last verse of Romans 8, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. We are free. Free indeed in Christ. Christ. 